Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have you with us today on the second Sunday of our It's Not Easy Being Green with the not crossed out because it is be easy being green. But we'll get into that next week. Um, how many of you were here? Oh, I'm getting attacked. Hold on. How many of you were here last week? This, okay. Wow. Okay, y'all. Um, where were y'all? Uh, just kidding. Uh, how many of you were here last week and didn't come back this week? Yeah, uh, you know, we are. This is kind of a, an interesting topic for the church to talk about because so often it is politicized. So often it, it is politicized. It's a political issue for the most part, and a lot of times churches, you know, we like to stay away from politics because you know the government tells us we have to, so we do. Um, not all churches, obviously, not all Christians, but this church has chosen not to enter into any political stuff, and and I think that's a good decision. But this issue isn't political. It's not. As much as you want to hate Al Gore, those of you that do that, and, and just the name, his mere mention of Al Gore's name sends shivers up the back of your neck. <laughs> it's not a political issue. The environment being green is not a political issue. In fact, it is such a spiritual issue that the church should be on the forefront of it. It is such an important thing to God that we should be out front proclaiming at the top of our lungs that we need to start taking care of the earth. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about the creation, God's creation. In in fact, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in Christianity right now about the environment. It's kind of cool. There's a a big movement moving. In fact, last week at the, uh, the World Youth Rally for Catholics, the Pope gave his talk. Uh, on the environment. That's right, me and the Pope, right there. We talk about the same things. I do it funnier and in English, but you know, whatever, it's the same deal. There's a lot of movement going on in the environment and in green living. What would Jesus drive was a, was a movement that came out a few years ago. And there's a reason, because being envi- an environmentalist is godly, plain and simple. An egg. Let's talk, let's talk about an egg for a second. How many of you know what an egg is? Yeah, I know that was a stupid question. But still, you people don't. Apparently, y'all just don't want to raise your hands, really. This side is cooperative, so I'm going to talk to them, actually, all, all morning long. Thanks a lot, people on the left, my left. Um, yeah, an egg is a marvelous thing, kind of. You look at it, you break it open, you fry it up, you scramble it, whatever, you, you hard boil it. But I don't know if you knew this about an egg. I went to something last Thursday, last Wednesday evening with my wife, and it was this lesson that was taught. Um, it was a video lesson, and we were with a bunch of couples our age, and it was kind of cool. The guy started off with this story about an egg, and he goes into the fact that an egg has, you know, its, its job is to birth a chick, basically. The shell of an egg has 10,000 pores in it. Did you know this? That it, the shell of an egg is not solid. It has pores. In fact, 10,000 of them, 10,000 pores. And then right below the shell, there's a, there's a little membrane. If you've are, ever hard-boiled an egg and cracked it open and started peeling it, you know that little membrane, that little thin film that's there that's around the egg itself. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody's ever hard-boiled an egg? One person over here. Thank you, ma'am. The people on this side, you're starting to redeem yourself. Good. Uh, yeah, so you have that little membrane. It's there for a reason. See, when the, the little embryo chick is, is growing and doing what he's supposed to do or she's supposed to do, 
they send out, they have four little, uh, this is all going to be scientific language, so I apologize, four little shoots, arms that, that go out, and two of them attach to the membrane. The doctors in the crowd are going, yeah, that's a great scientific term. Um, they, they attach to this membrane, and what they do is they breathe through this. The little embryos take in oxygen through this, through the membrane. The membrane sucks it in through the pores. The little, little arms, freaky little things that attach to the membrane from the chick are sucking in the oxygen so that it can grow. And it, it eats the yolk in there, and the little embryo grows. Y'all can tell I love science. And the embryo grows and grows and becomes a little chick until it comes to a point where it doesn't have enough air to breathe anymore. The little chick is inside the egg, and it can't breathe anymore. You know when you hard-boil that egg and you take it off, and on the bottom of the, bottom of the egg it's an oval, but there is a bottom, right? Because there's that little indention. You know what I'm talking about? The little indention once you have a hard-boiled egg in your hand? Yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. It's there for a reason. In that little pocket inside the shell is six hours worth of air for that little chick. Do you know this? I never knew this. What happens when the chick grows to the point where the membrane can no longer feed it oxygen, it pops a hole in that membrane and starts sucking six hours worth of air just enough so that it can use the one little tooth that's on the front of its beak that only served one purpose in its life to break its way out of the shell. Just enough air to use that little tooth that will never be used again but to poke his way out. Isn't that cool? Everything has a purpose in this egg. There's nothing that is wasted. 10,000 pores that allow just enough oxygen in. If there were more pores, the shell would be too brittle. It wouldn't survive. If there were less pores, it wouldn't be enough oxygen that would come in. Just enough air in that little pocket for it to survive long enough to use that one tooth that will only be used once to break its way out. That's cool. That is cool stuff. You start looking at stuff like that. You start looking at the world, and you see things like that everywhere. I don't know how many of you saw 2020 this week. I was watching it with some friends, and, and they have, they're doing this new thing, high-definition cameras inside the body. And they've gone all throughout the inside of the body. Some of it is quite disgusting and beautiful at the same time to see how the body works. The salivary glands that they showed that were underneath the tongue, and it looked like a cobra spitting out venom. It was so magnified. It was just yeah, nasty. And then they say that it produces half a gallon of spit a day. And you're swallowing all of that. Unless you're rude. But, but think about that. The way, you know, I've always just marveled at the human body, especially when Gracie was, in, it was growing in Jenna's tummy and, and, and coming to fruit. And we were reading things about how a baby's born and everything that has to take place. Wow, if you don't believe in God... If you see a child born, you're blind. You've just got to open your eyes and see what's going on because it's amazing to see the human body. And then to think that not just the human body, but this little chicks and everything. Earlier there was uh, the video that was playing, the Planet Earth series. I don't know how many of you have seen this on Discovery Channel. It's amazing. I, I recommend you watch it if you have a chance. But they show this forest that's up uh, near the North Pole, near the polar cap up there. And it's all these conifer trees. And the growing cycle is just one week a year. One week a year is all they have to grow because it's the North Pole and it's cold. And so they don't grow very much up there. But for that one week, they grow just enough. And that one forest produces so much oxygen that it changes the entire environment of the world. That one forest up there that grows a week a year is so powerful that it changes the environment of the world. God knows what he's doing. God knew what he was doing when he created the earth. You can look at the earth and see the glory of God. 
fact, last week we talked about that, didn't we? In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, is, is Paul is talking, saying that no one has an excuse for not knowing God because the world is there. Basically, that's my translation of Paul's words. You look out in the world and, and all of the things that God's created, and you've got to know that God is there because look at it. Just open your eyes and see the beauty and the wonder of his creation. In fact, it's one of his best evangelical tools, the world is. It's one of the things that drives people to God more because they look out their window and see what he's created. Or better yet, they get out in his creation. So God is there. God is all over this. God is, he loves his creation. He wants us to take care of it. In fact, what did we say last week? The first commandment, one of the first commandments he gave to man was to tend the garden. He put Adam in the garden. He said, I've created this for you. Take care of it. And he's passed that down to us. But what about Jesus? What about Christ? Because what separates us as Christians from the rest of the world and from the rest of the monotheistic religions is what? Christ. We believe in a Savior. We believe that God has a Son who is God, who came down on earth, who walked among us, who took our sin upon him, died on the cross and rose again. That is what separates us. So what does Christ think about this? What does Christ think about the environment? It's interesting. We had a song today called uh, The Center. It was two songs ago. And it's a song that we've done in here before, and I like the song, and I, you know, I've sung it many times, and, uh, and I've, never, I've never participated in the song the way I did this morning at 9.30. It just, it just completely revealed itself to me. You know, a lot of people say that uh, contemporary music is, isn't as theologically sound as some of the more traditional music, but I, I beg to differ, and I'll tell you why. Listen to these words that you sang. You're the center of the universe. Everything was made in you, Jesus. Breath of every living thing, every one was made for you. You hold everything together. You hold everything together. Remember this song we just sang? You know, every time I sang this song, I didn't realize, one, where it came from, and two, I, I sang it in, in a perspective that was self-centered. Shocker. I sang it in perspective from me. You know, you created me. You hold everything in my life together. I would be nuts without you. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's very true. Yes, God holds everything in my life together. Yes, he created me. He created my family. He is there, the center of my universe. But today I started, in light of what we're doing, I, I, I saw it in a new light. You created everything. Everything was made in you, Jesus Christ. Everything. See, this comes from Paul's writings, Colossians chapter 1. Paul is talking about this. This is exactly where this song comes from. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all. Listen to this. He is supreme over all creation. He's not just supreme over mankind. Yeah, he is. But he's supreme over all creation. It goes on at verse 16. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. What role does Jesus Christ play in the environment? He holds it together. He is the one who God created the world through, it says. And he is the one that holds it all together. 
the one that looks out over his creation and just brings it together so that we're not spinning off into the sun, so that he's the one. I started seeing, seeing that song in a different light today. It's not just about me. How, how sad and narrow-focused and narrow-minded am I that I sing that song from just my perspective? Yes, it's true in my life, but he holds everything together. He holds all of creation together. Of course he does. He's God. Why would I limit God to something simple as just mankind? When God holds it all together, when God moves everywhere through everything, it's such a powerful, powerful image. Jesus Christ is the center, it says, of the universe. Okay, if he's the center of the universe, if he is our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, the teacher that we follow, the one who's trying to show us the way to live. So, so what did he show us? What was, the, what was the teaching, those lessons that he gave us? It was a life of service that he led, wasn't it? At one point he says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to humble himself, to serve. At one time somebody is trying to trip him up and they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? So it's easy. The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love the Lord your God with everything. Loving God means loving everything that is about God. And everything that is about God is everything that he has created. And then he goes on. He says this. The second one. They weren't expecting this. The second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Take care of everyone else here. Because that's what I came to do. I came to love everyone else as I love you. And you need to start doing the same thing. Think about this. There are some statistics from the World Health Organization that I have here. WHO reports that one in three people die prematurely or have disabilities because of poor nutrition and calorie deficiencies. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization reports that more than 16,000 children die every day from hunger-related causes. That's one child every five seconds. If I speak for 28 minutes, I'll be 336 children who die during the time that I'm speaking because they're hungry. WHO also reports that diarrheal disease is responsible for the deaths of 1.8 million people each year. And it's estimated that 88% of that burden is attributable to unsafe water supply, sanitation, and hygienic conditions that are mostly concentrated on children in developing countries. They estimate that 3 million people are killed worldwide by outdoor air pollution annually from vehicles and industrial emissions and that 1.6 million indoors through using to the use of solid fuels. Most of these deaths occur in poor nations. You know God has got to look down and see these statistics. And I know some of you are saying those are liberal, biased, Greenpeace, nut media propaganda. Maybe some of it. Not all of it. And you know God's got to be looking down on his creation and going, what have you done to the world, to the garden that I have given you? What have you done to the land that I have left you to live your life in so that so many people die every year? 
So many people die every year, and they're preventable things. If they just had clean water, they'd be okay. If they just had good food, they'd be okay. What have you done to my world that has created an environment like this? Well, we haven't taken care of it very well. We haven't listened to the teachings of Jesus. If you're still in Colossians, flip over to Philippians just a couple pages back in chapter 2. Paul says this about Christ. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. Where did Christ go when he was here? Who did he hang out with? Did he hang out with the kings of the world? Did he hang out with Pharaoh and the great men and women of the world and the rich of society? Obviously, no, or I wouldn't be asking this question. No. He went to the least of these. He went to those that needed help, that needed assistance, that needed love, that needed mercy and grace and peace. He went to those places and offered his love and offered the love of Christ and the love of God. He went where no one else wanted to go. In fact, he was ridiculed for it. He was condemned for it. But that's what he kept doing because they were the people, he said, who needed him. They were the ones that he was called to be a servant to. It's no different for us. It's no different for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ. We are the ones who need to humble ourselves to the point of a slave, it says. We need to humble ourselves and reach out and serve. And maybe maybe we can change things. Maybe we can teach third world developing countries how to better take care of their resources and to not pollute as much and maybe to grow some food and and maybe we can help by drilling water wells and getting them clean water and maybe we can help by changing the way they live their lives so that they may live their lives and maybe all of this can be done to the glory of god so that they might see the face of god and receive the love of jesus christ I think that's where God comes into this. I think that's where Jesus Christ comes into this. He holds it all together. He created all things. And now he's saying, I told you to go out and serve everyone. And the things that you're doing are destroying my planet. Stop it. Knock it off. That's the way Jesus talks to me. Get straight and start respecting the things that I have given you. Start respecting my creation. So that it doesn't just benefit you. We talked last week about how it benefits you, the blessing that creation can be in your life. But let's allow it to be a blessing for others as well. Let's allow it to be something that others can see the face of God and feel the love of Christ through too. Because that's what it's here for, Paul says in Romans 1. It's to show the glory of God. A lot of times it's the conditions in which they live that pull them away from God, 
a lot of times because Christians will come in and put a Band-Aid on something and say, we did our part and they leave, instead of going in and trying to be a part of the solution, as Christ was. I said to someone the other day that I I believed Christ was a recycler. And they kind of laughed at me. Uh, It's nothing unusual that happens all the time. And they said, well, you know, where in the Bible does it say Christ was a recycler? I don't remember at any time him picking up things behind Matthew and John going, guys, come on, just recycle, Ben. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. And I said, well, yeah, um, you're right. It's not in there. But but where I think Christ is a recycler is, is in the fact that he recycles us. Let me explain that. As I lived my life in college and I lived the path that I was on, the path of destruction in my own life and destructing a lot of the world behind me, I was not something that was quite redeemable in my own eyes. In the world's eyes, I was probably somebody that could be cast aside. Well, he's used his purpose. He's fulfilled whatever he's going to do. There's not much point of having him around any longer, so let's just throw him away. But then I met this green guy, this environmentalist named Jesus, who said, you know what? I think I can recycle him. I think I can take what he was and reform it a little bit and send it back out there as a post-consumer product and maybe do something better with it. Maybe I can take his life and bring it back from the trash heap that it's going to and make something good out of it. Okay, so that may be a silly picture. But think about it. That's what Christ does to each one of us who give our lives to him. He takes the path that we were on and he changes it and says, okay, we're going to do something better now. We're going to make something better out of you. We're going to make you something productive in society and in this world, and I'm going to share God's glory and I think Christ is a recycler for humans. It's that regeneration, that new birth that comes with the saving grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amazing Grace said, you know, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was trash, but now I'm usable again. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his regeneration. And let me tell you something. God takes this stuff seriously. I mean, real seriously. I've read Revelations many times, but I've never seen it in in this light. Revelations 11, verse 18. The nations were angry with you, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants. You will reward your prophets and your holy people, all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. And listen to this. This kind of scares me. And you will destroy all who have caused destruction to the earth. You think God takes his planet pretty seriously? You think God takes his creation pretty seriously? I will destroy all who have caused destruction to my garden. Huh. Next time you throw something out of the window of your car, think about those words. I will destroy. I think he takes it pretty seriously. And listen to this. Flip down to, to chapter 21 in Revelation so then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth were no longer there. They had disappeared, verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. Jesus Christ in his second coming doesn't come just to save us 
and to give us new birth. He comes to give creation new birth. He takes it seriously. He's not going to leave it behind because he cares for it. He created it. He is it. He holds everything together. It was made through him, and he continues to hold it together. It's one of those things that if you look at it from a political standpoint, you can start getting all feisty and you can start getting angry and you could start getting up sides because you have your political leanings and your neighbor has theirs and, and the debate's coming. And some of you, you know, at the word Hillary, you just go nuts. And some of you at the word George Bush go nuts. And I know that and I realize that. And what I'm saying is this. This is not a political issue. The politicians can do whatever they want with it. This is an issue that God cares about. If he didn't, creation wouldn't be littered throughout this book. Creation wouldn't be from the very beginning. The first thing that it talks about in the Bible is the creation of the world. If God didn't care about this thing that he created, he wouldn't talk about it so much. He wouldn't use it so much to give him glory. He wouldn't use it so much to bring people closer to him. If God didn't care about it, he probably wouldn't talk about it that much. It's not a political issue any longer. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, it is something that God has called us to. He has called us to live a life that is separate from the world, to live a life that is different from the rest of society. And part of that was answering the call of the first command that he gave to humanity. Take care of my garden. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I say this every week when I pray. It's never, never any more true. You are the creator of all things, the creator of mankind, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the Lord of lords, the king of kings. God, we thank you and praise you so much that you cared so deeply and desperately for us that you created this garden, this beautiful place, this magnificent ecosystem that lives and breathes alongside of us. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us the responsibility to take care of it. But Lord, there are times when we have fallen. There are times that we have forgotten that call, that commandment. Help us to remember that. Help us to remove these issues that have been so politicized and so polarizing in our nation. Help us to remove them from that light and to bring them back where they belong to you. Help us to remember that Jesus Christ is the one who created all things and holds them together. And that as we live our life following him in service to the world, that it includes the world. We thank you and we praise you. 